blinding sun, deceptive moon, and consuming shadows, many secrets are held beyond the sight of humanity. Wondrous and dangerous, the mysteries of Deerston leave no one unchanged. A bold crew of players are pleased to welcome you into that perilous liminality between the mundane, the unknown, and the unknowable. Whispers from Beyond is a mage the Awakening Chronicle following the journey of Emily Tao, played by Craig. I'm Bill, and I will be your storyteller for this dive into the mysteries of Deerston. Welcome back to Emily's adventure. When we last left her, Emily had helped Amanda Wax be able to move on figuratively and literally from her body deeper into the afterworld. And in return, Amanda had managed to open the way for Emily to progress further into the realms of Stygia within the beyond. The great stone door up that staircase in the center of the crossroads you had been in creaked itself open like an Egyptian tomb with its 2.5 ton block sliding, grating out of the way into the rocks surrounding it. The passage behind is dark. The stone more granity than the yellow, of course, very much like the New England granite, which is famous throughout all of New Hampshire and Maine. These passages lined with torches, most of them are out. Every third, fourth torch is lit, and the shadows dance in impossible but very very real and realistically measurable almost patterns singing to an unseen chorus one could say Emily are you heading down how is this passage looking and feeling to you well I think I think Emily's just kind of trusting um the the figure at the boat who was telling me about the way forward kind of mentioned that um he'd remind amanda to let me back in so like we are talking a little bit offline about how like particularly in monk culture um the idea of reincarnation is a thing so she's like kind of like trusting that this is gonna work and like that i'm not just gonna get lost in like forever and like i think the fact that it's dark is kind of like you know pretty symbolic about how she's kind of feeling about this whole thing like um this is like the unknown part um like just minutes ago or hours or eons th- this whole she had a task um to help process uh Amanda through like that made a lot of sense to her because like hey that's just you're following the directions that's what you gotta gotta do but she has no idea what's beyond this and I think uh like probably a little bit nervous not knowing what's next that's very fair if anything this is a place where nerves are appropriate to feel it is a place of great vast and in some ways terrible power beyond anything emily has ever been forced to encounter before but it is not in and of itself 
innately hostile, or at least has not shown to be so far. Utterly enigmatic, but not hostile. Each footstep leaves an echo. The echo passes onwards from your foot somewhere into forever. The stones of the wall are quite smooth, but here and there you glance what might be kind of some kind of writing. What does it remind you of? The writing? Yes. Remember, you told me before that Emily learned English as well as Hmong as in her language. What um, do she feel here? What really resonates with her deep down inside? What I calls feel- out? I feel like um like she first noticed the um the writing like running her fingers along the wall and then it probably felt like dry and salty like it did in the the women's shelter, but then on I think on closer inspection, like she realized it was chalk dust and like looked and it was like a chalkboard and um she probably thinks um uh, back to uh her lessons with her grandmother or Banoi um who was teaching her um uh Hmong as a kid probably had like one of those little green slates where she would write the word in English and in Hmong and like Emily would do her best to kind of equate the two. And I feel like the writing is like an extension of this green uh chalkboard just extending off further than she could imagine. And, and she's just trying to like like now like she she realized how easy she could change things by just like um smudging him out um in the chalk and how like she might change like some of the english and the the monk characters would adapt or vice versa and i don't know i think it's it i think it's also like one of those uh like dreams wherever you see writing it's always kind of weird and hard to understand unless you really think about what it is so, like, the characters probably are moving and don't make sense until she actually stops and pays attention. And it's, it's like, kind of startling, like, waking up when she finally does it. All right. As you focus in, there are a couple words that are truly clear and stand out. And you realize that as you look at them, they aren't, strictly speaking, purely Hmong or English words. But they're instead something deeper, like when you heard... Acheron, and it meant more than simply lead. In this case, the words you see have two great ones more than anything else. Truth and confrontation. What does somebody make of this? Um, I think it's kind of confusing because, like, are these the only two words that are standing out or is there any other context around them? Like, it's kind of, they're very poignant words, and they obviously mean something very specific, but, like, without context, it could, like, truth without context is just opinion. Those are the words that are most visible. They stand out the most, but there are other words that exist. One of them says passage, another transformation, another praying, darkness reshaping, transfiguration. All these things are in there, but those two words are the ones that stand out the most. And somewhere else, labyrinth. I think uh, things seemed very clear to her where this was going until the very end. I think like the whole 
passage and like like symbolism of the hallway made very sense like a lot of sense but then she realized labyrinth and then probably looked um back and forward and back back through where she was headed and realized that there were many paths in front of her the tunnel indeed does go in many directions the worst part is they do certainly look all the same and you realize that the shadows which seemed more predictable are filling them almost like a mist between those shadows dimness and among those shadows those tiny spread out lights of the torches well i think emily's equating the torches to more like mausoleums or pro or which are probably also processing centers so i think in her head she's kind of just i think she's at a crossroads trying to figure out which way feels right and towards these torches like i i think she feels like this is more of what she just did but she doesn't have anything permanent or temporary with her to process so I think she's going to try to suss out hmm, which one, which passage feels the most truthiness, if that makes any sense at all. It does. I think this would be a great moment to try to work in a wits and a cultural, because all of these things seem to be tied up so heavily with symbolism. That's uh, two, uh, two successes for me. That's good, and that's beautiful. All right. So you feel like the darkness conflates both with ignorance and deception simultaneously, but more than just literal deception in the sense of hiding the truth, but actual falsehood, that which could probably lead back to that word on the wall, confrontation. And there are certainly some paths that are darker than others one of which you don't see a light down as you continue to move forward down the hallway. You see a path without light where there are no stars. It just grows darker and darker. The shadows moving like mist and the dim light of, well, almost unlight that seems to be there where there are no torches fading out and lost in that darkness. Does this passage have any like noticeable like change or progression to it. it like this is like a big feeling thing not like a physical change like different lights but i'm trying um really hard to like into it yeah about it if that makes any sense because this one descends the other ones are relatively flat to you this one descends well that's different at least um i Hmm. Could I like do some sort of marker or something to find my way back to this spot if it doesn't pan out? Like, is there like a light or can I create light here? Well, there are torches everywhere, but um, when you search the pockets that you thought uh, that exist because you realized they existed, you have this amazing um moment reaching backwards to a movie when you find a small stick of lipstick that you didn't normally carry hmm uh i think maybe i'll like find one of those lights and put like a red smudge in it 
just so it like maybe it like obscures some of the light maybe it'll discolor it and filter it maybe it'll just like look like a a light with like a a, a dark hole in it but i just want to do something that i can like find my way back here in case i need to choose a different path okay do you mark the light at the crossroads that you're at the darkness awaits before you. Are you stepping into it? I think so. All right. The stones descend smooth and even. The walls feel like they grow wider and further apart on this path, though that may simply be because of the fact that, frankly, it's so dark that unless you're putting a hand on one of the walls, after a little bit, you can't see them at all. You hear the echo of your own footsteps. And then the footsteps alone without an echo after a while. Then a second set of footsteps beside you off to the left. I turn as it, I'm expecting to see you someone there, but I kind of feel like it's, it's still dark. It is still very dark. It's almost more the outline of a person, a person who's roughly your height, roughly your build. That's as much as you can tell in the darkness at this moment. I think I'm somewhere between like being frightened and in awe. And I think I'm going to extend my hand out and try to like make contact with this person or figure. The person extends a hand back and makes contact with you. The hand is slightly on the cool side but not cold room temperature. Uh, I think that shocks me. And I pulled my hand back right away. And I say, who are you? I've always been walking with you. The voice sounds very much like your own, not like your own sounds on a tape recorder, but like what you imagine your own voice sounds like. So it sounds like it's coming from inside my head. Oh no, no. It's certainly coming from outside your head. But it's oh. like what you always imagine and think of your voice as sounding like instead of what you actually hear if somebody had recorded you on a phone or a tape recorder or something. Yeah, that, that's kind of what I meant. Like, if you listen to your um, voice, yeah. it sounds odd because it's, so, it's not coming from inside your head. But yes. like, it's the it's audio, but it's audio that how is, I'm used to sounding. That is exactly what you're hearing. Oh, damn. That's really odd to me. And like... I think I'm. I think it's a little uneasy. Uh, what What do you want? I want to warn us. This isn't safe. I don't know that people were meant to go where we're going. And where are we going? I don't know. This place is unnatural. Why are we even here? Why did Why were we there to help her? This is too much. This is too big. And and I'm probably uneasy again because these are some of the doubts in my own mind too. And it's really weird that this this figure that I can't make out all the uh, features of, but I'm pretty sure it's like some sort of shadow version of myself, which like it's it's messed up on several levels. And I'm kind of having a conversation with myself. I I don't know, but we I it happened, and that was kind of cool. What we were able to do with the the stone and the darkness and the lights and the shoes. And I look down and see if this shadow person is wearing shoes. 
the shadow person has the shoes on more or less that you were wearing before you got these new ones. Somehow that makes me feel a little bit better. I don't know why, but I think it makes me feel more distinct and not necessarily like this is like an exact replica of me. The shadow person also has a slight moist ripping to them too. And a faint salty scent as you focus on them. She seems to turn towards you slightly more. So she's more of an outline than a person in a lot of senses and says, I don't know that we should have survived. I'm not entirely convinced that we did. Why are we going forward? Maybe if we processed us, it would be safer. And I'm thinking back to what the ferryman said, and I think I kind of echo it and I say, oh, it doesn't make sense to just keep going back all the time. Some of the shadows peel away from your doppelganger as you say that, leaving a bit of clearer of view of your own face, haggard, tired, and frightened. She does not look like you feel. She looks far worse. Are you okay? How can I be okay? After what just happened to us, can anyone be okay? I don't want to wake up. I want to go back to sleep. Well, maybe if we go just a little further, there'll be a better place to rest. I don't feel like it's the safest here if we just stay here. How about that? Just come with me a little bit further? I, I guess I can do that. And I think I'd try to take her hand, similarly to how I had uh, Amanda's hand earlier, if myself allows it. Yourself allows it. She's slightly warmer to the touch now than she was before. And the shadows peel away slightly more as you pull her along. They seem to fall off, these less natural shadows vanishing, and herself becoming, as you walk forward, thinner, lighter, more ethereal, and then vanishing in a sense too, your footsteps taking on additional weight and strength as you continue onwards. The walls have fallen away now. You aren't in a passage underground the same way you were. You're in a passage on top of the walls instead of between them. The darkness extends endlessly in every direction, but you see glints of where this maze is in other places, where small paths of stone cut through an endless dark below and above, flecks of starlight, something glittering the distance, like you're walking on the sea. Can't be too much farther. Just let's just keep going. We'll we'll get some we'll we'll get some fall after that. That that'll make a that'll make everything good. Walk forward to uh, find yourself at another intersection, and there is a stone bench there. An older woman is sitting down at the bench. Do I do I recognize her? Let's have a wits and composure roll. Uh, that's two successes. That's beautiful. All right. As you look at her, you see a familiarity to her. At first, she reminds you of her, your grandmother. And then you realize, no, not my grandmother, but like my grandmother. 
maybe someone from the old country instead of ancestor from even further back. And she looks up at you and smiles in a strange, sad smile. Hello? Hi. Um, do I know you? We never met, but we are connected. You're not the first in our family to walk these paths. And this path can have echoes of you left behind once you have passed through. And as she says, our family, I'm just trying to think back if I can like put a, like a name, like is her, is her clothing like a traditional style or is, is it like more modern? Is it, am I able to pick a period? Um, traditional style, you're thinking at over a hundred years old, something 150, 200 years old, maybe even things that make you think of the 1800s and before though, once you start getting that far back into old country clothes, you're not completely an expert on it anymore. Mm. So we're talking, if, you, if, if I have any recollection, it'd be from a portrait or painting rather than a photograph. Yeah. I mean, if you want to try and pull this off, I'll give you one more wits occult roll, and this time your specialty would apply. Yeah, sure. Um, let me roll that real quick. No, I don't think I can place it. One more die. Remember, specialty, one more die. Oh. Hey. <laughs> your specialty pulled it off. All right, no. In the small amounts of memorial uh, data and stuff that came back, you realize that this looks very much like a picture of a twice great grandmother who was supposed to have been a priestess back in Southeast Asia before your grandmothers and grandfather came across the United States. Someone who's at least two or three generations before them. I don't think I would know the name, but like... I think it's very obvious that there's like recognition um recognition on my face. Uh is my shadow self or doppelganger still with us? No, your shadow self faded into you when your footsteps gained that additional weight and bearing to them. You kind of absorbed your doubts and walked past them. Oh, it's like I I there's a lot to process. Um feel like yeah i think the recognition is there and then she she may or may not see it she just looks at you and says granddaughter uh, i try to think of the the correct um um culturally appropriate greeting but i think um, i'll just say uh banoi because it's it's what she would know she would know grandma but i don't think she would know great great grandmother It'll work. You know this that your language here seems to be turning into something that almost predates words in certain senses. While you've had your bits of English and Hmong you've seen, you've been speaking in very true terms, as we put it, the words behind the symbols. And she nods to you at that you and says, You've come a long way. And I look back and probably don't even see that light i smudged a bit anymore and then i turn back and say well it doesn't make sense to go back now um i don't really know how long i've been here 
or is this more figurative? Both, though it almost never makes sense to turn back. Very few who come here have the luck of running into an echo. I'm not sure how many have, in fact, but you do, and that is very fortunate. Are, are you an echo? I am an echo. I'm neither grandmother nor grandmother's spirit, but I am of her touch when she first passed through here, and I am of her touch when she last passed through. I think I, like, screw my face up trying to think of what, like, the totality of all that means, and it's it's a lot, and I think I say as much. That's it's an awful lot, grandmother. It really is, and the road ahead is harder, but you must walk it. There are, are doubts for you to purge. There's purification ahead that you must go through, and then the final barriers. All right. Are you, will you go with me? She reaches out to you and puts her hand very gently on your chest. I'm already with you. This is the part of me that remembers the part of you that remembers. And she kind of dissolves into starlight that you feel deep down into your bones. I think it kind of feels like if you've ever been dehydrated and then been given like an IV of fluids and you know, like the five minutes after you get it, it's like, you know, like a, a, a rush of like refreshment. I, I think it feels like that. That's a good way of putting it. But there's certainly another sense more of you being yourself there than there was before. And you feel like there's also in certain senses less of something else that is not you. If that makes any sense at all. So, an echo of my great-great-grandmother became part of me and pushed something that was in me but not me out? Or an echo of your great-great-grandmother was recognized by you in other senses. You did talk about reincarnation. We could go either way on the subject. I, I think it's kind of weird for her to think about. And I think um, she's switching analogies just to like maybe a a dark part of, of her just you know got a little bit more light shine shown on it, and she's able to identify different features of herself now. And I think that makes her feel a little bit better about it, rather than it being like like a outside presence, maybe just shining a light on something that's been there all along. And I think. At this point, I know the way to go. I think you probably do. I would like a roll of, now this is going to be an unusual one, resolve, plus composure, plus occult. Well, I got a success there. A success there is going to be useful. You did, after all, have an idea of the path, and you do start to walk it. As you do, you start to hear more occasional calls from the shadow off the path. Voices whispering, cajoling you, suggesting the further you go, more loudly they speak. That you might not be worthy of this. That this is a place that you are too profane to go to. That this 
that you are unholy and this place is sacred. But you also have that success there. And you can recognize this concept as well, thanks to that, that sometimes demons in a lot of the reincarnation religions, like Buddhism and such, which is closely tied in with your ancestral culture, try to tell us and scare us away from paths of greater enlightenment. And they must not be paid attention to. And I think also, like, she knows where to go. And I think she's almost like wants to do it just in spite. And if she's not worthy and she's too unclean, well, she knows that there's going to be some purification coming up anyways. So it's sort of like a different sort of attitude going forward at this point, I think. Like, I'll get there just to spite you, demon. I like that. You continue to walk forward and the road slowly grows more clear. It doesn't grow brighter, however, but the darkness that you walk through is no longer an unfamiliar darkness. You realize there are more than one type of darkness, and one of them recognizes you as its ally and kin. The other one attempts to dissuade you, and you've figured out how to separate the two. That alone lets you move through the place where there is no light. The place before and after light has been. How does she feel about being in such a place? I think I think the fact that very recently, like the light, like starlight from her great-great-grandmother came into her probably makes her feel like I don't need external light anymore if the light's in me. That's good. The path still continues to twist and turn, but starts to grow upwards again. You realize that you see ahead another tunnel mouth leading outward. You've somehow passed through this labyrinth. And I will let you have one more whips and a cult roll. Any specialties apply? This is technically not one connected to your religious background. One success as you leave. You do remember that one of the most unusual things about a labyrinth is that it is different from a maze. A maze has multiple paths, but a labyrinth only actually has a single path, but appears to have many. And it is meant as a journey of reflection. You have passed through that reflection. And as you reach the mouth of the tunnel, see almost the mirror image of yourself, which you step through and into something new and elsewhere moving upwards i think when she steps through the 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 portal or passage whatever it is she this is like the first time she noticed but she takes her hand away from the wall and realizes that she's been hugging the left hand wall the entire time and so was never really lost I'm not sure if you ever heard of the term like a left-hand solving maze, but I think she unconsciously just did that. I have heard a version of that. You choose one side and you stick to it. Yeah, so maybe like when she pulls her hand away, it's just like covered in like chalk from the walls earlier and like kind of rubbed off on her making making her hand and palm like like chalky, but she's just noticing it now as she's stepping through. More than just making your hand and palm chalky, but 
your natural skin tone has a little bit of a tan to it, maybe a medium bit of a tan to it, depending on the season. That tan has completely vanished from your palm and fingers of that hand, the inside. It is now simply pure alabaster white skin, not Caucasian white skin, but chalk white. You've started to become changed in more ways than one. We briefly talked about it, but I think I'm going to jot down some of that, um, some of that notes into my Nimbus section on my character sheet for when that actually applies. Awesome. I can't wait to see how that's going to turn out once we get there. Does she have any more reflections before we move onwards and upwards into the next chamber? I think she's just like contemplating like the change of appearance and like it's like one of those things that just it's just fascinating that if almost like she's taking lessons with her. Excellent. You move upwards, you come to the what it looks like a great work floor in many senses. You can feel like you're simultaneously in a temple, but also in a weaving house of all things. There are looms and spindles here, and they are still, interestingly enough. There are tapestries on the wall of this chamber. There are rich rugs on the floor of it. But the stonework here is just as beautiful as it was in the other decorated areas before, with natural minerals and gemstones polished to perfection, peeking through the various different, well, shades of stone, which you can now name in your head as you look at them, even though you'd never taken the, enough geology to be able to name them all before. Various marbles, granites, quartzes, the list goes on. How does it smell? It smells clean. It smells as though, well, there's a bit of that chalky chalkboard scent that has followed you. There's the same kind of cleanness, though, in the air as when you're in a quarry or when you're trying to sniff a granite countertop. Stone gives off very little scent. The moisture is gone, so this is not a normal cave. There's a dryness to the air, but it's not so dry as to make things brittle, if that makes sense. I'm I'm going to look around at some of these like weavings, and I know that there's supposed to be some sort of purification coming up or i might have even done that already but like i feel like there's something i need to be doing here because it's reminding me of a lot of the processing room and i'll go around and like inspect like the the looms and like like maybe like handle the shuttle a little bit all right as you look around there are definitely a great many tapestries and on them, you see the images of various deities and bodhisattvas would be the best way to put them. But you also see yourself. You see the hand of Guan Yin helping you when you donated to the soup kitchen one time. You see 
the face of various other saints and bodhisattvas and stuff like that in different ways supporting your various actions in the past or echoing them it's almost as though your life as you see it here snapshots of it is part of a much larger and grander pattern if you want i'll give you one more of the occult roles this one would be an intelligence occult but your specialty would apply all right and i want to specifically look at if there's some sort of repetition that i feel like great great grandmothers in there as well because i feel like that like this should be actually going back a lot farther than just me for some reason i will give you an additional die for having thought of that oh good and don't forget your specialty so that's one more die than you put down no i well, tried you tried it's a little hard to put together now we're gonna have to see what kind of other ideas you can come up with to be able to redo this role but the closest thing you start you notice on that is that some of these various god forms that you see in there because what else would you call like a bodhisattva or something like that the way they're traditionally used do seem to have almost familiar faces to them some that re resemble your grandmother a tiny bit some that don't but i mean that also just has that strange off feeling of Oh, you know, those Renaissance people, whenever they commissioned art, they made themselves Jesus and stuff like that. So I don't know if that counts. <laughs> um, hmm. I do have a dot in crafts. Uh, is there a way that I could maybe finish an, un an unfinished portion to make it make sense? I think that's a good idea. There is a loom ahead of you. Let's have a dexterity crafts roll with plus three for the amazing quality of equipment here, but mixed with a little unfamiliarity. There we go. There's two successes. All right. Sometimes you just have to do it yourself to recognize the pattern. I think so. You start to work on this particular scene that doesn't seem to make sense. There's a little bit of a card with numbers on it, and you realize that's the weaving pattern. Raise, lower, raise, lower. You take the shuttle, pass it through the treadles. The weft and warp combine back and forth. There's more than one shuttle. There's more than one color of thread here. You work, and the silence is broken by the click, clack, click, clack of this loom, something you've never truly used before but here they make sense all the tools make sense and then this suddenly you're at the end and you can see the picture of yourself having crossed through that starless space that you walked in the darkness and you can see that below you you were being held up in fact by what looks like your grandmother's hands your great-grandmother's hands community all who came before you were holding you up on this path supporting you even while you were facing all of those doubts and i think as i was working there i was like maybe repeating some sort of like 
old worker song that I've never heard before. And maybe the only the only words that uh, Emily actually recognized out of this were like words like passage, transformation, um, shaping, transfiguration, just some of those same words that uh, I encountered before and maybe made some sort of like sing song melody to make it actually make sense. That makes perfect sense, honestly. And it does all feel like it fits together. You want to try to make another role for your intelligence occults. I will give you an extra two dice on top of what you had last time. So is that seven dice that I'm rolling then with the specialty? Oh, they counted up really fast. Yes. Well, that's two successes then. Awesome. All right. So this does actually start to feel a little more like it makes sense. Not you're only are you looking at scenes from your life, you're looking at defining moments, moments that both reinforced and took away from your sense of self and your sense of purpose in the world. Things that were both your connections to everything that matters and makes sense and things that challenged and destroyed those things that acted as signposts to you this feels a lot like the movie reel that we um that i watched with amanda it's feels like eons ago about her life very much i think it that's a very good way of putting it it does remind you of the movie reel a lot and the difference is you're convinced as you look at these that it goes forward as well as back but when you try to look at the forward ones it's as though the lens is very heavily out of focus it reminds me of trying to look at some of those uh chalk letters earlier a lot like looking at those chalk letters yes and it also makes you think that they might not be fully defined yet they could be related to choices you haven't made. How do you feel about those details? I was actually just thinking, like, one should never know too much about their own future, because then you start to cement things, or maybe by having the knowledge, you you kind of you might inadvert- inadvertently cause something to happen that shouldn't. So, like, I don't know. <sighs> Not quite sure how Emily feels about fate, but like this sort of feels like one of those forbidden things that I shouldn't try to think too hard about, lest I make it true. There's one thing, however, that does stand out as you think about it like that. You notice that the ones that look like you in the future and the ones that look like you in the past or past, sorry, have a slightly different color palette to them. The past ones are almost a more sepia version of yourself. And the one that you just made is a mix between that and almost like Technicolor. And then the unclear future ones have you in full, normal, high resolution color and all of that, even though they're unclear to you, still out of focus. The future, most of them 
look like they're in bright, true colors, though not all of them. And given the present ones, that implies some kind of a choice. Well, the choice is either changing the lens or changing the subject. And I think the the word transformation comes to mind again. That's very fair. And the subject of the transformation then would have to be you. Yeah, and I think she's beginning to realize what that's about, but not quite understand like the full what that what that might mean. Like I think it's one thing to realize that you gotta change um um something about your life, then it's a whole nother thing to do it. Like yeah, um you, you might know you might need to eat healthier and lose weight, but then Monday comes or whatever, and then you got to actually eat healthier and lose weight. So there's some sort of unspecified work that Emily realizes she'll have to do. All right. As you look about the room, you realize that there's more than reds here, more than just tapestries. There's also dyes and things that have different feelings that further out and around you look. There are things that look like altars, or perhaps only simply wide benches and tables, but the way that they're raised up on the ground makes you feel like they are a place of sacredness and offering. Hmm. So I'm realizing that this tapestry that I'm looking at is showing me in an all like technicolor future. I'm seeing dyes. But I have a feeling that the the pattern that I'm seeing on the tapestries and is limited by the the medium. So I got all these colors, but I think Emily is smart enough to know that if your medium is white, uh, if your medium is light, and you add all the colors, you get a white light. So I think that she needs to use all the colors but if she refocuses if she refocuses like the medium to be some sort of uh light or something then she knows she'll get the pure color that she needs to almost look white because like that would be the same sort of uh translation of the pattern that she's seen so she, I, I feel like she needs to do this with, like, like dye light, if that makes any sense. It can make sense because she's trying to do it. The dyes are in various small tubs, a little bit stained, a little full of thick liquid. There are little ones, large ones, ones that look like they're large enough to dunk a small pony in almost like they are either made for you know putting on to pre-existing thread or dumping the whole spindle of thread into or the skein of yarn or the tapestry in scale there's also a pool of pure clean water as you continue to look and this unlike all the other water you've seen is not flowing but is truly more like a bath i'm getting some real like um baptismal energy off of all this so like i think i mentioned that emily's mom raised her catholic and 
like she was probably baptized Catholic, but she does have this um, Hmong heritage from her father's side. So in baptism, you'd wear some sort of white garment. So I think I need to dye threads, but dye them with the light of the color and create some sort of garment to be and, purified in. And the question is, of course, whether you truly want it to be white or not, because Catholic would say that white is the symbol of purity. But when you're talking about East Asian religions, white is the color of death. I don't think those are different in this sense, at least for Emily. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Um, I don't know if it's possible, but I'm going to try to dye threads using only the light of the colors. You reach out to some of these tubs of dye, trying to figure out what's going on, and you're able to pull floating essence of color out with your hands in this place. As you rub it into your clothing, your clothing takes on those additional colors and reflects more and more and more of the light. Coming brighter and brighter, your blue jeans become white jeans. Your t-shirt becomes brilliantly bleached. And of course, some portion of the glow lingers on your hands as well. So I think it's one thing to just like, like basically paint my existing clothes, but I feel like there's like thread here and there's a loom. I feel like I need to make a new garment using this newly discovered technique. All right. Given the absolute perfection of the tools you're using, I would let you work with a five equipment bonus on your craft stroll here. You're using things for what they're intended for in the place where they are most intended. So that's crafts and what dexterity? Um, I would say intelligence. Intelligence? Same amount for you. Same amount, yep. All right. Uh, so that's five successes. You've only gotten that tiny bit of practice weaving cloth before, but the fabric here, the thread, they want to be woven. And you're able to weave something of the purest white, the purest light. You've scared the darkness out of this fabric in certain senses, but the darkness is still there regardless, safely encapsulated with the light in the spaces between the threads. It shimmers. It glows. It unglows. And the fabric, as you finish weaving it, you realize that, yes, you could easily wrap yourself in this. It has no seam, yet still it fits as though you've made it for yourself, and it could have been sewn with seams. I feel like um, like the image I'm getting is like something like the, the traditional white Vietnamese dress. So, like, uh, yeah, that's the image I have in my mind. So I... With the exception of my my new shoes, because they're perfect, they're made for me. I think I discard my old clothes and put on this new outfit I just made. It is comfortable and soft. It is coarse and rough. It is everything that fabric can be. And it is utterly perfect. 
think the next step is to walk into the water. I just wanted to make sure that you said it rather than I said it for you. You do step in. The bath is, in fact, quite large enough for you. You're able to submerge easily as you go down. The tub, almost more of a pool, good 15, 20 feet across, round, circular, with steps going down concentric. And as you reach the center and near it, you realize the water certainly is going to go over your head at this point. A breath before the plunge? I don't think I need it. You walk in. The water covers your head. You step forward. There is resistance, but not the same kind of resistance one normally gets as they walk through a pool. If you've ever passed a net or a sieve through dirty water and seen what it collected, it feels much like that kind of resistance. You feel like something about you is left behind, but you don't need it anymore. And that's okay. You feel cleaner now. You feel more yourself and less whatever else was there that you didn't need. Another step. The resistance mounts a little more as more of that otherness is gone and a sense of greater clarity, purpose, a sense of increasing self-honesty pervades you. Another step, the water starts to come off the top of your head and you take a step upwards and upwards and upwards, water cascading down, and you've left the pool. You feel very, very purified. Do you look back or do you look ahead? Well, you don't look back. You never look back. Not, not when you come this far. That's how you get turned to salt. There is, in fact, a door to this room. You couldn't see it before, but you can certainly see it now. And it's probably was waiting for you. It's a polite, carved wooden door. Not with a handle. More of a slider. Rice paper goes between the different boards, making it up. Feeling slightly more Japanese than you would have expected from the old country. But then again, so many things are mishmashed here. I reach out my hand and jiggle the handle. No handle, man. It slides. Oh, wow. Uh, I suppose, yeah, it would. But uh, there's no resistance when you push it sideways. Yeah. I, I, I think Emily feels funny for a second looking for the handle and then like, oh, slides it and probably awkwardly just steps in and closes it behind her before even looking what's in the room. All right. It's beautiful carved wood hallway with a staircase going upward. Each of the boards is fitted exactly and precisely into the ones around it, but they have a soft squeak as you go up them. The term nightingale floors crosses through your mind as though the boards are singing to you. One does not sneak through this room. They are announced by it, the room itself, and it leads upwards. I ascend the stairs, and I'm feeling like at any moment someone's going to like chastise me or something. 
I, I don't know why it's like i feel like i'm sneaking and like like coming back uh too late from curfew or something and mom's gonna um like be sitting in the next room waiting for me to to call me out or something we'll find out want to find out more about the story join our discord channel the link is in the description